Last week when Bobby was here, I had been asked to speak. Oh, I shouldn't even say asked. My friend Sandy Ortiz didn't ask. She pretty much just said, you're not allowed to say no, and she put me on the schedule to speak at a chapel. And I studied something, and it got into my heart, and I can't really let go of it. Here's something that became painfully obvious to me, church, when I was there at an ecumenical school. I am Pentecostal, and I can't do a whole lot about it at this point. And I appreciate so much the freedom that God gives. I wouldn't trade it. When you say that name Jesus, things happen. When you say the name of Jesus, things happen. Darkness trembles, faith grows. When you say Jesus, there will be times in your life when you shout the name of Jesus in power, and there may be times when you whisper it through tears. But when you say the name of Jesus, things happen. We live in a time when everything is being redefined. Everything being redefined. Here's what's strange about the redefining that the world does. When the world redefines, it wants you to believe that what it says the definition is, is the only definition, and it will revise everything up to that point to say that it is the only definition that has ever existed. The world tries to do that with Jesus as well. Now, you would think I'm talking about the world outside of these angular walls, but it can happen just as easily in the church. We live in a time where everyone wants to redefine Jesus, even those who claim to follow him. There is a new movement where man tries to tell God who God is. What starts out as a journey to know him more often ends in a way that they try to put God in a box. And the fire, the tenacity of spirit and faith that is within me wants to remind you that if a tomb could not hold him back, then man's box cannot hold him back. That... This movement to tell you to keep it down, keep it to yourself. There are some who take that as almost gasoline on a fire. I'd like to think I'm one of those. Here is the text for today. Comes out of Matthew chapter 16. Going to read from the Amplified Bible. Now, when Jesus went into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Starting at verse 13, I should say. I'm new to this. And they answered, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, and still others say Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And in the Amplified, it says, or just one of the prophets. He, Jesus, said to them, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Then Jesus answered him, 
Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not overpower it. The last part of that in the Amplified says, by preventing the resurrection of the Christ. Let God arise, let his enemies be scattered. There is nothing that will hold back Christ from being lifted up. One of the privileges that I have as a pastor is to unite people in holy matrimony. That doesn't sound good. I'm going to turn that one off. I've shared with the church that I have some favorite things in pastoring. And one of the things that I've shared with many of you is when the bride walks down the aisle. We live in a time where the groom has often seen the dress beforehand. And it's not really a traditional society we live in a lot of times. But I'm telling you, I always just say to the groom, when the bride comes down that aisle and you see her in that dress for the first time, you're going to be a mess, right? And one of the great privileges that I have is I'll look at the bride and be like, oh my gosh, she's so beautiful. But then I immediately look at the groom, and you may do this now too, and you just see them trying to hold it together. You see the lip. You see, you see the ugly cry. Here's the thing about weddings. A man getting married will do, wear, say, dance to anything that he is told to do. <laughs> I so wanted a picture. There was a picture, I think it was, was it your wedding? Was it those cool tuxedos, that picture you and Tim that I love? There's a picture of my father-in-law, and I could not find it, of him and Tim. And they've got the landing head tilt going, and they have these like peach or pink ruffled tuxedos on. And I'm thinking, he didn't pick that out, I don't think. <laughs> What's wild, another thing that I think when, when a marriage is going on, spoiler here, and it's a truth. Sometimes when I pray, I will do a little peek, a little sneaky peek. I'm looking. And sometimes at the end, you know, when you're praying blessing over it, I will just take a glimpse over at the groom. And the groom's just like. I mean, just like, thank goodness, like all the, all the things I had to wear and stuff, like I made it. I made it through. But there is this smile on the groom's face. Here's the truth about marriages, though. Things can get tough in marriage. At so many weddings I go to and receptions, something unfortunate often happens at the reception, and that is the electric slide. <laughs> right? And you get the groom out there who usually can't dance, doing the electric slide, looking cool. Here's the truth, though. When things get rough in a marriage, something that does not help is putting on the electric slide. Not that I've done this, but it sounds like something I would do <laughs> for real. Marriages can have high points and low points in them. But here's a truth about relationship. It's often defined in the middle. It's often defined in that in-between spot. That's where the work is put in. 
those everyday things, that's what builds relationship day in and day out. In my house, I have an older teen and I have a preteen. What I will comment on is not about them, it is about your kids. I just wanted to point out that I'm your contemporary, but this is not about my home. Sometimes in my home, there are emergencies. Not really. And as a parent, you need to remind your children that is not an emergency. That is simply something you want to do that may not work out. It's said that some teens or preteens can be dramatic, not mine. But there are those high and low points. Here's the truth when it comes to church. Most of our life, most of the walk, most of this church family thing is done in the middle. Most of the growth is in the middle. There will be awesome moments in church. There have been some dark times as well when it comes to church, but most days are spent right here. This area, this place right here. I remember a few years ago that this church, which was going to be shut down and sold because the bills could not be paid, that we had a mortgage burning ceremony right here on this stage. We set the carpet on fire. We ate cake. It, it was awesome. Some of the deepest belly laughs that I have had have been with this church family. On the other side of that, some of the saddest moments of my life I have walked through with this family. I've baptized people on this stage. I've stood here as they have exchanged vows. Some of the people closest in my life that I love dearly, their casket has been within six feet of this area as we have celebrated their life as they have gone on to heaven. When something good happens to me, I can't wait to tell my church family something bad happens in my life, I reach out and they share my burdens. But that middle of the road place, church, that's where it is. That is where it is. The context of what I read to you about that walk in the road, here's the context. Looking at what had happened just near that, there was a girl who had been possessed. She had been healed. There were 4,000 people who had been miraculously fed. The Pharisees trying to trip Jesus up had been put into their place. The disciples, after gathering basket upon basket of leftovers from feeding of 4,000, forgot to bring their lunch. Jesus uses that as a teachable moment. Because that's what my Jesus does. Big things were happening. And then a question. And I would like to think that this question was asked on the road, on the way, on the place they were going. Jesus asked this. Here's the truth about us as people. We can easily talk about other people. Notice when Jesus asked, what are people saying? The answers were instant. We could only imagine that all the disciples were together, and you can see them. Oh, oh, oh. John the Baptist. <laughs> Elijah. Jeremiah. And then the last person to answer, you know, they're just all excited, and they want to say anything. Just another prophet. Can't you just see the other disciples like, no, come on. That's the wrong answer. But then he, Jesus, he turns to the entire group, and he asks this question in verse 15. Who do you say that I am? 
out of all that stood there and were ready to say what other people thought, there was only one who stood up and said what he thought. That would preach in itself. Peter, the one who would rise and fall. Peter, the one who would step out of the boat when everyone stayed in it. Peter, the one who would go heels with an entire group of soldiers coming to arrest Jesus. Peter, the one who would get cursing angry when asked if he knew this Christ on the night that he was crucified. Peter, the one of three people who would go with Jesus to the garden just hours before the crucifixion. That one who had been down many roads with Jesus. But on the road, there is relationship. On the road, this is the way that we grow in relationship with Jesus. This is the way that we grow in Christ. There would be high points and there would be low points. And in this thing that we call a walk, there will be high and low points. But see, Peter did not wait for the high point to say who Jesus was. And he didn't wait for the low point to say who Jesus was. He stated it because that's what relationship does. And I'm saying to you that we can get in this habit of when things are going amazing, we can say how blessed we are. And we can get in this habit when the bottom falls out that we can cry out to Jesus. But is he there in the middle? Is he there in the middle? So much of what those other disciples had answered, it was based on the miracles. It was based on the crowds. It was based on all the things that they would see. Foundation is so important, church. It is so important. Our family, we like to go to vacation in Myrtle Beach. We tend to want to go at the busiest time of year and the hottest time of year because it's something special we do. We have rented a beach home. And this year, two weeks before we were to go to our beach home, it got struck by lightning. I would guess that no other houses in the vicinity got struck by lightning, only our house. And so we had to go to a plan B. And so our plan B moved us to Surfside Beach. Check this out, this location. This is how God works. It was two doors down from the pier. I mean, this was just magical. Okay, now the other part. Five years earlier, the pier had been destroyed by a hurricane. So the pier, that's the pier. That's what's going on there. Uh, so just fences, you can't get near it, and they're doing construction. Here's what's wild. This new pier is taking forever. We had gone there the years before, and you just see, like, very little progress seems to be taking place. But as we sat on the beach, we could watch the construction going on. And one entire day, there was, those are called pilings, because I looked up, like, pier parts. Pilings are the big things that go in the dirt. One entire day, there was a machine pounding a piling into the ground. Boom, boom, boom. The next day, that same piling, there was truckload after truckload of cement that went in to pour into that one piling. Now, you can imagine how long this could take, right? But here's the deal. They were not rushing because you don't want to rush when it comes to something like a foundation. You don't want to just say, I put in a day's work and check out. When it comes to a spiritual foundation, it's much the same. Oh, this pier. Over time, if you've ever been to Myrtle Beach, it's a whole different world sometimes. There will be 4th of July fireworks. There are all kinds of places where people who like fireworks will go and purchase them on the way to vacation. 
And those celebrations will take place almost every night. But here's what's strange. They aren't going to wait until the party's going on to work on the foundation. Here's another thing. There will be bad weather that will come along. There will be low points. There could be sharknadoes. I've seen it on the sci-fi channel. It's a real thing. They aren't going to wait until those low points either. There will be engagements that take place. There will be bands. There will be karaoke. There will be wedding photos. There will be fishing tournaments. All these high points. And then there will be low points. But in the middle is when they build. I'm saying that to you because if you are in a place right now that you just would describe as blah, maybe blah is on the road. Maybe blah is this point where Jesus is asking you, who do you say I am? 1 Corinthians 3.11 says, no one can lay a foundation other than that which has already been put down, which is Jesus Christ. What that says to me is that in those points when I'm asking why isn't my way working, maybe God would say to me it was never meant to attach to the foundation that is Jesus Christ. My kids would buy Legos. My kids would also buy these cheap knockoff Legos. Cheap knockoff Legos do not attach to regular Legos. In faith, it can be much the same. Quit trying to make things fit that do not fit. The crowd, they're going to tell you, no, this is the foundation. This is the foundation. How I told you, I'm just getting fired up as a pastor because I believe, and Pastor Nip used to say this, if the devil cannot trip you up, then he will use you as a battering ram and push you forward. The crowd will say, as I press into God, I'm not going to speak of his blessing. I'm not going to speak of the things that he does. Because, see, that would be mixed up with the fact that I'm only seeking blessing. So I'll just write that off. The crowd, the world, the church world may say, do not pray for the miraculous, as I've said before, because that could only lead to disappointment. Do not step into these places. When God does something good, don't say God did it, because you're just going to look like those people that are about the prosperity of it. Here's the problem with that, is we will reduce God to a list of rote facts We will spend our time throwing stones at one another. And the most important things in another person's life, we will begin to describe with air quotes. I'm done with that. I'm just being real with you. And I know it's quiet, but see, that's the tenacity. That's that part that says, I know my Jesus can do it. I know he can do it. And I'm not going to allow me to put him in this box to make it comfortable for me. I want to be who he calls me to be. Oh, that name of Jesus, it tells me exactly who he is. Anointed one, that Messiah. I'm not just going to look at him as a good man, as a prophet sent by God or a man of great power. Oh, no. He is the one that was sent by God with absolute power and absolute goodness. Jesus, the Messiah, the son of the living God. There is power in that name. Knowing him changes eternal destiny, and so I'm not going to whisper it. First John 5.11 says, God has given us eternal life, and this life is his son, Jesus. 
Jesus. When was the last time that you were praying and just got so overtaken who he is that that's the only thing that could come out of your mouth? It wasn't until Peter had proclaimed Jesus as the Christ that mission was revealed to the other disciples. Hear that. What we declare in trust and belief will bring about revelation to other people. Let me repeat it. What you declare in trust and belief will bring about revelation in other people. Why? Because a testimony lives out loud. Oh, it lives out loud. You ever have your kid out and your kid, you know how kids are brutally honest and your kids just try and get brutally honest and you're putting your hand over their mouth and you cannot block what's coming out. You can't do it. It's like their mouth quadruples in size and it just comes out. That's how I want to be. Jesus was direct and personal back then and he is direct and personal right now. When this church was put here, this was a field on the back end of Mentor. Nothing down here. That cornfield. Now on Norton, you're going to have a world-class Cleveland Clinic facility. You have Avery. You have all these buildings that are going in. And here's the thing. When they put these buildings in, so much goes into the planning, design, the construction. It is years and years. And here's something else. Whenever one of those big buildings is built, do you know what they do? I think we did it here too. You get the golden shovel out, right? And so somebody in a suit with the golden shovel like breaks the ground. Here's the truth, though. The next day, the hospital is not up. I'm saying that because I feel like when we go all in for God, we expect God the next day to have all the eggs unscrambled and to give us exactly A through Z what's going to happen for the next five years. What if it doesn't happen that way? To build a proper foundation, you need to respond the way that Peter responded when asked the question. Jesus, direct and personal. Peter, you are the Messiah. You are the Messiah. I am not waiting for the biggest blessing, and I am not waiting for the rain to fall to the point where I don't even know which way to look. I'm reaching out to him now. I'm going to say it now. Jesus is still asking now. There are things that I personally refuse to do. One of those, I'm not going to deny who Jesus is. In no way, shape, or form am I going to deny who he is. I'm not going to stop praying in Jesus' name to see the miraculous happen. I'm not going to stop giving glory when the miraculous does happen because that's who my Jesus is. I am not going to put him in some box to make him easier for us to carry around. I am not going to fail to declare him as the Messiah, the only way to the Father. John 6, no one can come unto me unless the Father who sent me draws him. If there was ever a time when your testimony was vital to begin drawing in the world, to begin drawing people that they want to hear a little bit closer, it is now. God draws us near, and when he does, I can almost hear that whisper, who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? Have you acknowledged who Jesus is? No, notice I'm not asking, have you said a prayer and asked Jesus into your heart? But do you acknowledge him? Does your life acknowledge that he's the Messiah? We're finite, you and I. 
One of my favorite things to watch is Turner Classic Movies. Bethany, I'm telling you, right? That's it. Some of those actors and actresses, like I was watching one the other day, and some of those actors are just ridiculously handsome. Just like, that's what a guy's supposed to look like when he wears a suit. I don't look like that when I wear a suit. I don't know what's going on. But what's wild is they're all in their prime in these movies. But then I always look at cast and crew. And on cast and crew, it'll break it down. And it'll show a born date and where they were born. And it will show when they passed away. And even these people who just look like that star, that healthy, that in their prime person, like they're gone. And I don't say that to depress you. I say that to frame up the fact that you and I are finite. I do not get to spend my life saying I'm going to start later. I don't get to spend my life saying, God, I will press into you when it works for me. When a woman is pregnant, it's miraculous. I mean, it is miraculous. Here's something I noticed when my wife was pregnant. We would go out in the third trimester, and there were pregnant women everywhere. Like, it was crazy. It's like they just invented them. I was like... They're everywhere. And I remember in her third trimester, you know, we'd go somewhere in her back. She's like, oh, my back. And it was weird because, like, almost every time she'd do it, it's like she'd lock eyes with another woman holding her back. <laughs> right? Or, like, her feet. They were swollen. They were hurting. And, like, when she'd be rubbing her feet, it's like there'd be another woman and locking eyes. Like, I know. I know. There was this empathy that went on. But here's what's weird. Pregnant women were not invented when Dina got pregnant. They'd always been there. It's just that we were aware of their presence because of the way she walked. I say that because there is a way that we walk that invites the presence. There is a way that you walk that raises awareness of what goes on. And things you may have never noticed going on before, when you draw closer to God, all of a sudden you'll be like, what? This was just invented? And Jesus will be like, nope, I've just been waiting for you to catch up. Your walk will be different when there is new life inside. <laughs> Here's a statement, and I'm going to be closing. I don't know who this quote is attributed to, because I would have let you know, because I love it. I cannot obey God more than I obey his word. I cannot separate the God of heaven from his word. I say this because that in-between needs to be defined by me getting into this. 
me getting into this. Not me depending on someone who wrote a great book that tells me about this, but me getting into this. Me walking by this. When I don't understand this, me asking God, make it clear. Me studying, me understanding that God has given this for a reason. Because if I need to know what he wants me to do, this is where I look. The older I get, the more I understand how powerful personal testimony is. The way that someone walks, their consistency, their willingness to stick with it even when things are not going as they would wish it would. Seeing strength over time that is even keel even when it seems to be stormy weather. After Peter answered who Jesus was definitively, Jesus turns and he says, I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. See, growing up, whenever I would read that verse, I almost looked at it like Peter had answered in Sunday school and Jesus was complimenting him. But here's the truth. Oh, Peter, he, you know, we can say, oh, Petra means rock, and Peter, and, and Peter would be recognized as the first bishop, like the Catholic Church says, Peter, you know, was like the first pope in a sense. He was the first leader of that movement. But I think what's important to note, it wasn't that Peter was Jesus' favorite. It was the fact that Peter spoke the truth and Jesus wanted to point this fact out that in this truth a church is going to be built. And he knew looking down in time that in these words that are written that when we read those that the same God who moved then is the same God who moved now. The same Jesus who asked that question is the same Jesus that's asking it now. And he is saying that if this church is going to go forward it's going to go forward in that same basic truth that he is the Messiah. Messiah, that he is the one who has this under control. And are you going to live your life in a way that puts him forward? That Jesus. What I love is this. We live in a time where you can say your opinion on something and you will get counterpoint like that. Notice that after Peter answered Jesus' question, nobody said a word. No, yeah, but the, the mission, the mission, it began in a whole new way. And here's the truth. When the truth is spoken, when the truth is spoken, when the name of Jesus is spoken in a situation, it just shuts all opinion down. I say that because you are blessed. You are blessed. Speak the name of Jesus. Speak it in boldness because in Jesus' name there is freedom. In Jesus' name there is future. In Jesus' name there is the miraculous. There is testimony. There is life and life more abundantly. In this in-between, when God is speaking his word, grab onto it. Because I feel like that whisper is that he is not done with you, that he is building beautiful things right now in your life. You are not used up. You are not obsolete. Your life is a testimony. It is a foundation. You were never meant 
meant to do these things alone. And God is bringing others alongside of you to complete mission even as you speak. The purpose is to bring glory to the eternal God. New life, new hope, and new things being built. So right here in this middle-of-the-road place that you may be, you may say, who am I to even factor in to what God wants to do? Well, 1 Peter 2, 5, and 6. You're living stones. You're being built up into a spiritual house for a holy and dedicated priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable and pleasing to God through Jesus Christ. Do you know Jesus? Regardless of what anyone else says, do you know Jesus? To get real for a moment, if you were to die tonight, would you spend eternity with Jesus? can get uncomfortable in church when we talk that way. But if you don't know him, then this will simply be a feel-good, self-help hour. It's all based on Jesus. I would ask that you stand. going to ask the prayer team to come forward. I'm going to do something I don't typically do. I'm going to ask you to bow your head. I'm going to ask you to be real. I will not embarrass you because that is not what this is about. So with heads bowed, I'm asking this simple question. Do you know him or are you far from him? If you are far from him, I would ask right now that you slip your hand up. Say, I know that I know that I am not where I need to be in my relationship with Christ. You see, the God that I serve is not a God that shames you. He's a God that waits at the end of the road, watching for you to return. I saw the hands. And I'm going to pray. And if that's you, I would just ask that as we pray, that you repeat after me. Let's do this together because see, there is power in this house. I'm going to pray. We'll repeat a few things. Father, I come before you right now humbly because this is your house. Father, as we repeat these words together, I pray that those hands that went up, that they would be reconciled to you. I pray that this day would start a whole new journey. 
repeat after me. Father, I thank you. And I pray that you would make all things new. I ask that you would forgive my sin and make this heart look like yours. I believe that you died for me and I believe that through your resurrection there is new and abundant life. Thank you for seeing me. In the name of Jesus, we pray.